So Marshall's been part of Aylsham Community Church for a couple of decades now and um, is part of Relational Mission, part of the Relational Mission community that we're a part of. So Relational Mission is um, broken down really into different communities where uh, a few churches, sort of, you know, half a dozen or so churches can uh, really have community (coughs) together, get to know one another uh, better. We can do joint events together like the prayers of many. Um, And Elsham Community Church is part of the same community that we as kings are part of. So it's great to have you come to speak to us. It's your first time actually at City yeah. West, which is great. Could be last. It could be the last. <laughs> wow. Is that judgment just cool? Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, we're, we're really grateful that you've come over, yeah. grateful uh, for you. So Marshall heads up the listening ear prophetic training. That's relational mission wide, isn't it? Is that correct? It is now, yeah. Yeah. So um, I know some of you feel a real sense of actually God's gift to me in the prophetic and um, so listening is a really great way just to like if you're sure yeah i'm i want to uh i want to prophesy and grow in that gifting but also if you're not so sure and you just want to explore hearing from god and um and prophesying then um then that would be great do you want to give us a bit more of a sell for that I as can, well yeah. in your at the start of your preach but I'll yeah let you go i can do that great thank I can you do that. brilliant well thank you so much for uh, letting me come and steal some of your time and uh, yeah, listening here, uh, it's, uh, online. it's online, but it's live, and this wonderful thing called Zoom, which uh, go back about four years ago, we'd never heard of it, and now we wonder how we could live without it. Um, and uh, it really is uh, grassroots stuff about hearing what God has to say, which has got to be exciting. And uh, if, you, if you want to know more, have a chat with me after. We're already into the, the next season. We, the second session is this Tuesday. But if you decide, hey, I'd like to get in on that, we can sneak you in. Okay? We, we can get you in, and all the resources are online. You can go back and catch up uh, as well. So, uh, yeah, it's just been quite exciting. We've had, well, between the online training and the concentrate run, we've had about 700 people go through the training uh, across RMs, so, and outside of RM as well, so that's been just exciting. Um, yeah, uh, already know a little bit about me, uh, accent's Canadian, just to take, take the question out of your mind, um, and uh, uh, my wife is British, we live in Elsham, I've got three children, um, my son and daughter-in-law and their three kids live in North Walsham, he's one of the elders at the church there. Uh, my daughter and her husband live in St. Ives, just out of Cambridgeshire, and he's leading worship this morning. Um, and uh, my other son and his wife live in Spixworth, and they're part of Soul Church uh, as well. So we feel very privileged to have uh, kids who have benefited from Stonely Bible Week and from New Day, significantly. So what you were saying is so, so true. Of, uh, just things that are put into those young lives and, uh, uh, and benefited. And I've served at them as well. And I came away thinking I'd come home exhausted. I did. But I came home excited. And that's good as well. So, yeah, just getting stuck in, into that. Um, yeah, I've. Who am I? Good question. I'm a child of the king. So are you. And we're all on the, there's a wonderful leveling in the kingdom. We all come as children. And 
it's just, it was just great coming in. Uh, Elsham Community Church is a little bit older in age than you. I'd be kind of in the middle of the age at Elsham. I'm at the older end of being here, which is great. It was just wonderful seeing the kids and, uh, and what was happening there. And someone with enthusiasm, well, more than one, but one lady with enthusiasm up here helping to lead in the singing. And I just, just loved that, that moment. You know, it, in worship, we can think the, the, the children's songs and that is kind of a necessary thing for the kids. It isn't a necessary thing for the kids. It's a necessary thing for us just to get caught up in the wonder of who God is and coming like a little child. If you have your Bibles with you or your Bible app or however uh, you connect with Scripture, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. <clears throat> now, this is going to show my age, okay? Cause, and I'm looking around, and uh, there's kind of a certain age where uh, when you say, we're, we're going to look at Scripture, and a certain generation goes here, and a lot of generation goes here or on their phone. Can I? I'm going to say it, all right? I'm going to say it. Don't lose this. Don't lose this for this. It's the same words. But I love this. There's something about it. There's something about having this, and it's falling apart, and it's worn, and it's jotted down, and it's colored in different places, and, and, and if I can't find it, okay, you panic when you can't find your phone, I do understand that one, but there's just something about it, so please don't hear what I'm not saying, please use your, use your apps and have that there, I don't carry this with me everywhere I go, but I do have my phone, and you know, Google is a lot quicker than the concordance at the back. Uh, as well, but there's just something about this. So can I just encourage you sometimes get this back out and fall in love with the Word of God again, and just hold that. One Corinthians 14:26 to 33. Um, let's give a little bit of context before I read it. We would have about a third less of the New Testament if there weren't problems in the New Testament church. The reality is that most of the epistles are written about problems issues, things that weren't going quite right. And if Paul was around today, he'd probably write similar things. And if he wrote us a letter, it would be, yeah, how you doing? Nice to see you last time I was there. Now let's talk about, and what about this? Now let's deal with that. And Corinth was a, a, a wild church setting. They, they were hungry after God. They, they, they had a, a, an experience of the Holy Spirit, and there was lots of things that were happening, but they were getting lots of it wrong. And what I love about the way Paul writes is he doesn't write to condemn them. He just writes to help them. And, and the Bible was never written as a Haynes manual, a how-to uh, do things. It was, it was a living conversation that Paul had with the churches and he knew them so well because he spent time there and got amongst them and he got under the skin and he was able to uh, laugh and cry and hurt and rejoice with them all at the same time. And then he would hear things when he was away and then he'd, he'd write letters and it took a while to get there. You know, it wasn't bleep gone 
and seconds later, and why haven't they seen my WhatsApp message? I sent it at least one second ago. And uh, why haven't they replied? They've had it for five seconds. They've seen it. Why haven't they replied? Do you, do you ever get that? You know, it shows you they've seen it. But why haven't they replied? This is important. And, uh, and then an hour later, they still haven't replied. And you think, well, how could have they seen it? They've obviously thought about it, and they still haven't replied, don't they? Well, Paul took time. And he went to God, and he said, what do I need to write? What do I need to give? And, and so I love reading through the epistles because it's church raw and ready and roaring. And if anything, we need to be constantly, personally and as a church, looking at Scripture and saying, what have you got to say to us? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we come to your word, we come to it believing that it's powerful, it's active, it's sharp, it's effective, it's deeply important for us as individuals and for us corporately to look and to see and to hear and to respond and to put into place the very things you want to put into place so that when we do our Christian lives, when we do church individually and together, we're doing it your way and we're reaping the benefits and we're seeing the impact of it your way. So help us this morning to hear and respond in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 very lovingly follows 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Um, they, they, it's where Paul kind of grabs a hold of the church and says, how are you doing with spiritual gifts? How are you really doing? They, they're, they're happening amongst you. There's some problems in the way you're applying it. But do you know what? Paul says, I love spiritual gifts. I absolutely love them. He says, I wish... You all spoke in tongues. I want you all to eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially to prophesy. I want the best of these things to be for the best of you and the best of the world that you live in. I want the Spirit of God to be so active amongst you that you've got to put some safeguards in so that you get the best out of them. And I, the last thing I want, I, I believe Paul was, is saying, is that there's a few specialists among you who do this. And the rest of you sit back and listen. No, this is a matter of everyone. Everyone. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 26, is what shall we say? What then shall we say? And th this is kind of the, the follow-on. He, he's kind of built up lots of things, and he's talked about this and that and the other, and then he throws the love chapter in the middle of there that's quoted at most weddings, totally out of context. And, and he, he roots it in, you know, it, it's not about the bells and whistles. It's about the heart. But it is about the bells and whistles as well. And let's get them together. Let's get them right. Let's get them powerful. Let's get them rooted. And then he, he comes, he says, well, because of all this, what, what, what then shall we say? Brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has. Let's just stop there. When you come together, those who are good at it have. Those that are extroverts have. Those that are brave enough to come to the front 
and bring two words for the price of one. Those that are a bit more spiritual than me have. Those that are more mature than me have. Those that kind of have more time to prepare than me have. Or each of you have. So if you're sitting there in the remotest way thinking this isn't for me, can you do a reality check and come back to, actually it is. It is. It is for each one of us. What should we say? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so the church will be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is an interpreter, the speaker must keep, should keep, if there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder but of peace, as in all the congregation of the Lord's people. As I said, the context is as vibrant, full of the Spirit, busy in life, fellowship, prayer, word and gathering together church. We don't really know what the size is, but it's been a few years since its inception. It's probably quite sizable congregations gathering there. And it adopted and involved a certain areas uh, that was kind of their practice. And Paul's talking into that. I think we, as RM churches, New Frontiers churches, historically would say that we, we kind of threw off tradition and then we developed our own. Let's be honest. What happened here is very similar to what will have happened at Elshin Community Church this morning in style and in structure and the way that we do things. We have, we have our own ways of doing things. They might not be quite the bells and smells, but we have our own traditions. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying we need to be aware that we develop our own traditions and they come out of our experience and what seems right and sometimes what seems comfortable to us. And I think God loves to come and shake that up sometimes. He likes to come and, he, and, and just look and say, oh, that looks nice and neat. <laughs> Let's see what we can do. Let's see how we can take the best of this and make it better, get rid of the stuff that, yeah, just kind of settled and good, and let's roar with some new stuff. And let's roar with what's there a bit deeper. So Paul comes to this congregation and encourages them here to examine their expectations and to look at what maybe their new traditions that have already settled in to get the most and the best. He wants the gifts. He wants them used regularly. He wants them used powerfully. And he wants them used right. So that... When we come together, and we all have, what happens is that Christ is most glorified. His kingdom expands dramatically, and his church is a place of powerful release and, in, and interaction with the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but that's what I'd like to find in a church wherever I go, a powerful interaction with the Spirit that glorifies Jesus.
and impacts a community. Wherever and however we meet. So let's, let, let's just begin thinking about this. First of all, this passage is all about getting and not getting. It's about giving and not getting. When I, as a younger person, a lot younger, I used to go to church to see what I could get. And I would rate the morning by how it had impacted me, how I, had, uh, in, how, how I thought the worship was, how I thought the preach was. What, what did I get out of it? I'd never really come to the realization that actually I was supposed to come with. I was supposed to bring with. I was supposed to come and be a giving person amongst others. If we have that consumer attitude, I'm going to come and consume, we've actually got a tradition that needs to be challenged. Because the Bible and Jesus was about giving. It was about serving. It was about how can I better others? How can I impact others? How can I change the world that's around me and the people that are around me and bring them and others to a better place in their walk with God? But one of the things I'm, I'm challenging myself is what can I leave wherever I go that's a deposit of the kingdom that's going to do others well? So coming and preaching this morning, I, I was talking to Paul during the week. I was wrestling between three different things to, to bring. And in the end, I just sat down and said, God, what's going to serve them well? What's going to leave them with some things to go away and do and be? And, and I, I can preach a deep theological preach if you want. I do have a first-class honors degree in theology. I'm, a, I'm, I'm one of those rare breed who actually uh, didn't just come out of a background of accounting or school teacher or whatever and now is an elder and, and away you go, which God is so graciously blessing our churches with. I can do that. I can read New Testament Greek. Wow, isn't that exciting? It's important to be able to do that sometimes, but there's times when that just leaves you with some knowledge. I want to leave you thinking about what's your next gathering going to look like because you've made some choices before you got there. What's your life going to life? Do you have life groups or small groups? Life groups. What's your life group going to look like? If, if you're praying with someone else regularly, what's that, that, that one and those two together, those two or three together going to look like? What's the next time you pray with your husband or your wife going to look like or, or with your friend? What's it going to look like if you've got children when you maybe gather together and have a, a family prayer time or a family praise time or something that's got a spiritual edge to it? What's it going to be like the next time it's just you and him? How do, how do, it's, it's about the giving, not about your giftedness. These gifts are for giving. 1 Corinthians is not about office or status, but getting uh, uh, hearing from God, interacting with God in order to build each other up. That's what it says. That all these gifts is about building each other up. It's about strengthening, comforting, encouraging. Every gathering should be a leveling up experience, not just a good meeting. We worship full of the Spirit of God. We want to hear the voice of God. We want to encounter the power of God. We want to open the Word of God. We want to be changed because we met with God. 
And if that's not what our heart and passion is as a church, we're, we're actually no further down the kingdom line of establishing his church and seeing the glorious bride emerging than a very traditional church setting. And we say, well, we're, you know, we're, we're a New Testament church. Are we? Or are we moving towards that? And it's not just a matter of the elders need to be doing something better. I was an elder uh, for 16 years. I used to have this saying, he who desires to be an elder has never been one before. I've now been an elder in three churches, so I just modified it. He who desires to be an elder has probably never been one before. But it's all of our hearts and our passions. Are we hungry to eagerly desire? And as Paul uses that in 1 Corinthians 12, to eager desire, and then he repeats it again and again. The context here, we've talked about already this, this, this church, this emerging church. And dare I say that the, the, the passages in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are probably more aimed at smaller group settings than even what you've got here this morning. Because they met from home in their houses daily. They, there, was this, there, there was much more of a community happening outside of the supposed holy hour of 10.30 till quarter past 12 on a Sunday morning. And they, they, they were gathering together, and there was lots that was happening. Let's look at some of the aspects of it. He starts out, and he says, when you come together, each of you will have. Think about that. If every one of you had a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual psalm, a revelation, or a tongue and interpretation this morning, what would we be doing right now? We'd still have a cue. You know, just practically, how do, how do you get, what, what, 30 to 50 people doing something? But our style is, you know, and please, I'm not saying you did anything wrong this morning, Tim. Our style is, you come and you bring the prophetic word. Or hopefully at times there's someone who brings a tongue and someone else will in interpret or there might be a word of knowledge or there might be a scripture that's read. And that's, that's, that's great. But it tends to be in that meeting kind of feel and way that we do it. I, I, I want to take on a little bit of a journey of what would you feel like if by the time that... Uh, Kara stood here to lead worship with Ed. You just witnessed a miracle there. I remember two names. <laughs> and they got them right? Good. Um, that by the time you sat down, and in that time beforehand, I, 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 you said beforehand, our starting times are a bit fluid. What if by the time you sat down, you'd been prophesied over already? Or someone had come and, and, and because you've all got you've all come with. You're getting a cup of coffee and, and, and it's just, you know, before it ever starts and we're standing in the car park. You haven't even got into the building. Hey, I got something. I was praying this week and I just felt God's share. Can, can I share this with you? Or someone comes in and they're noticeably limping or they're holding their arm or something like that. Or you talk to him, so, oh, God, it's a, such a bad headache this morning, but I just, I just thought I'd get here. And our style, maybe yours is a bit different, and you're more godly than we are, but our style is they come in, they have their coffee, they come and they sit down, 
uh, we have the notices, we, we have a great time of worship, we, maybe we even break bread in the middle there somewhere, then there's kind of a preach. And at the end, there's a, and anyone just want prayer, we've got a prayer team. You get coming, you know, can't pray. And after they've been through the whole gathering, they finally get prayed for. When would it be best to pray for them? Before the meeting ever started. And all of a sudden, it becomes possible that large groups of people can, everyone can have and do, and it works. Because it's not a meeting we're coming to, it's a gathering of his people and expecting the kingdom of God to happen. If you, get, you know, it begins to happen. So, you know, I, I don't know how you were feeling this morning when you got up, Karis. It, everything all right, or was it one of those days where life was a bit busy? Yeah? Okay. How about you, Ed? It's pretty good. Okay. Have you ever come and led when... Yeah? And, and did anyone pray for you before that, or did you... You know, you have your pre-meeting prayer time, which is, you know, great, a few people around. But what if the, when you got out of the car, someone in the car park came over and said to you, I've just been praying for you this morning. I know you're leading worship. And, and I just, I, I don't know, maybe this is right, maybe this is wrong, but just feel I need to pray for you and just encourage you. And is there something that, and, he, oh. and instead of coming up here and standing behind the microphone and going, God help. I do lead worship and I sing a bit better than that sometimes. <laughs> um, that God's already done. He's already been there. He's showing up. So can I encourage you as a congregation, move out of the tradition of a style and begin to move into a biblical expectation that when you come together, you will all have something to give. But it doesn't happen to ha have to happen in the meeting. In fact, it'll probably be much, a much higher percentage of it happening before it ever starts. What about during? I have found more recently that during the worship, I'm sitting there worshiping, but then all of a sudden I'm wondering. I'm wondering. And I just feel... God, just help them to worship. Lift the concerns of the day off of him so that he can enter into worship. And I begin, I just say, God, give me some words of knowledge to pray into the situation during the worship. Why, why do we stick ministry time at the end? You know, it's a pattern that we can get into. The elders are going to, I said, you might not invite me back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait a minute. Come here. Will you go pick up your guitar, please? You can unplug it. I'm not your typical preacher, by the way. You can put it on if you want. You know, okay? Now, I'm a guitar player. Not as good as you are. But I looked up and I saw Martin. I thought, quality instrument. This isn't the 99-pound job that you picked up at 
uh, car boot sale, it uh, sounds like a 99-pound job. And you could hear the quality of the instrument as it was being played this morning. This is what God says to you, Ed. You know quality, and you are quality. Yeah. And, and the, when you have played cheap guitars in the past, and you know that they make a noise, but they don't make beautiful music. This does, because of the quality that's there. And, and there's, there's a quality in you that this is a prophetic picture of. And there's a depth in the songs. At some points up there, we're just watching you play and hearing that there is a depth in the bass notes. But there are other times when there was that clarity of the high notes. And in you is a depth of bass. And it's that, that it sends a, sh a shiver up your spine. It actually causes the very building in to resonate. And, and in worship, you're going to find that you're going to be switching back and forth between those with a freedom, but with an impact. And you, you're, you're not a behind-the-scenes worshiper. You're one who's going to lead people into a depth in worship. But you're also going to be, lead people into a depth and quality of spiritual life. And the next time you put on your guitar, the next time you go to play, which will be a bit later if I don't preach too long, there's going to be something different. And, I, and you, you were to say, Spirit of God, put the deep into me that causes this place to shake. Because as you play, the Spirit of God will come. Okay? Thanks. Now, that's in the middle of a preach. That's, you know, wherever. Carissa. Karis. Sorry. I put an A on the end of your name. I don't know if you're a runner. I jog. You jog. Good. She jogs. Because God, God said to me, as you're up here, he's going to increase your pace. He's going to increase your pace. And it, it's not going to be an increasing the pace in order to wear you out. It's an increasing a pace because he's got things for you to see and do that you won't get there if you're just jogging. And it, it, the, the word for you is faithful with the little, but there's much to come. And then when you stood and you started talking about the cafe, you came alive. You were alive in worship, but you came alive because... There was something in you that God has put in you about faith for seeing young lives engaged with him for what's ahead of them. And that, that passage uh, in Hebrews 12, it talks about running the race with perseverance. At the beginning of it, it says we need to throw off some things. It does say hindrances and sins. We're not going to sins. It's not a matter of sin. But there's sometimes there's hindrances. And they were kind of the weights that an athlete would put around them. They'd throw them off. They're good for training. But there's some things that you're going to have to say to God, I'm going to set that aside because I need to run faster in this. And there's a clarity of the race coming to you. And I, and I believe that, that there, there's going to be some prophetic things that are going to come to you. You're going to say, really, me? I, did, I wasn't sure about that one. Don't discount them immediately. 
look again and say, is that what you're, if so, I need to change this and this and this in order for that to happen. And you'll need to lay down some things in order to pick that up. But as you do, all of a sudden you're going to realize, I don't just jog anymore, I run. And stop calling yourself a jogger and start calling yourself a runner. And, and, and the great thing is, as you, people are following you now that you don't even know are following you, but they're jogging because you jog. But when you run, they'll run with you. And that'll be your knock-on effect as a, a growing spiritual mother for those setting a fresh pace. So, do, do, do you like being encouraged or being discouraged? Okay. If you like being discouraged, I'll pray for you for deliverance. <laughs> Seriously. No, there are people uh, who have very low self-esteem who set themselves up to be knocked down because it reinforces their low self-esteem. But we need to be a people who love to be encouraged. And if you love to be encouraged, then you need to be an encourager. And if you're an encourager, you need to eagerly desire to prophesy. You need to eagerly desire to speak in tongues. You need to eagerly desire to pray in the Spirit. You need to eagerly desire to be spiritually active far more than we usually are. Because that's the hunger and the passion that Paul has in this passage of Scripture. So we come with a psalm or a hymn, singing spiritual songs, singing new songs. This is not just in the shower. Now, there's a reserve in many of us that doesn't like to do that because <laughs> yeah, it's a new song or a new song. How's that really going to work for me? Just do it. I was sitting in my car the other day, and I thought my Sometimes I get Spotify on my phone. I thought that when I'd closed the lid on it, it was still playing because there was this muffled tune going on somewhere. But it wasn't my phone. It wasn't my radio. And then I realized it was my 15-month-old granddaughter in the back seat of the car just going, <laughs> it was delightful. It was beautiful. And I felt God say to me, why don't you do that for me? And so now... I get my guitar out and drive my wife crazy more often than not now. When I'm driving, instead of just listening to the news and being depressed by it, I don't put on the most famous worship songs. I just begin to sing. And it's great because anybody else nowadays, when I was young, if you did that, people thought you were going mad. Nowadays, they just think you're talking hands-free, so you're, you're fine. <laughs> but, but get into that. What is a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song? It doesn't need to be four verses with a repeated chorus and slowing down and a refrain and a, a, a link in between. Just begin to sing. Greet one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. And it's strange. I had a, 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 a few years ago, a friend of mine at, uh, at ACC, he just came in. He walked across the, the front of the church. He just wrapped his arms around me and, and just, and, and, and for a moment, I thought, this is weird. And then just the Spirit of God just descended. Come on, let's throw off tradition. And come with, and come with. 
an instruction, some sort of teaching. These are the things we can come with. A revelation, an apocalyptum is the Greek word there. A revelation, something that's for you, something, you know, why do we think it has to be uh, spontaneous on a Sunday morning? Bring your notebook. Get your phone out. Look at what you, you wrote, wrote in there, dictated into it for someone. And if you're nervous to bring it to them, find a quiet place at home and, and say what you feel God is saying. Say, will you listen to this? Will you listen to this? And let's get, let's get active. Let's get excited. Maybe there's a tongue. Oh, that's a weird one, isn't it? And the Bible even says it's weird. It says, you know, what will non-Christians think if you're all coming in and they're speaking in tongues and they don't understand? They think you're mad. Well, the Bible says that's probably true. But there's something about tongues that I think we have lost over the decades. I can remember the first time I spoke in tongues. And it, was, it wasn't like somebody turned a tap on. It was like somebody opened the floodgates of heaven. Can I encourage you? Practice speaking in tongues. It's worship. It's the spirit of the living God praying and worshiping and glorifying our heavenly Father through us. And if you don't have the gift of tongues, come on, get biblical, because Paul says, I wish you all would speak in tongues. It is not the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's definitely a sign. And we've lost some of that. I remember years ago when, when as a congregation, there'd be moments, there'd be times when you'd be five, ten minutes of just singing in the Spirit, just waves of... And, and now, you know, we, if you're a worship leader like me, it's sometimes hard to get the congregation to do more than 30 seconds of singing in the Spirit. That's not worship leaders' faults. It's just re-grabbing this again, eagerly desiring... I want. Why? Because tongues encourages you. And when it's interpreted, when it's that, when it's that public tongue, and then it says, and then there'll be an interpretation. Why? Because we need to be encouraged. We need to be edified. We need to be being built up as a people of God, not just a religious organization gathering together, not just a feel-good club that gets together regularly, but a people of God who are interacting with the living God in a living way, in a powerful way, that says, Jesus is in the house. The Holy Spirit is on the move. Father God is building his church. And you know what? He hasn't got a plan B. He's got a plan A. And that's you and me, full of the Spirit, and bringing the gifts of the Spirit in. Signs and wonders following. Is this just for Sunday morning? No. Let me ask a question. When's the last time you had a tongue and interpretation in your life group? Oh, does that work there? It doesn't because of the way our traditions have set up our life groups. So I challenged our life group with this passage. And this is not to pat me on the back. It's, it's to pat my life group people on the back that they've got this. So our life group is full of tongues and interpretation and prophecy and praying for one another. And we, we meet at 7.30. We begin our meeting at 8. By, by 8 o'clock, so much has already happened. We stopped calling the meetings at Aylesham Community Church about two years ago on the back of a prophetic word about this is a gathering. 
when you walk through that door, no, before you walk, be, middle of the week, you're preparing what's God going to use you for to bring to someone else. And our goal is that not one person walks through the door that hasn't encountered a spiritual gift of some sort, giving and receiving. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. Father, I pray that whatever I've said today that just stirs, it's not the most eloquent of preaches, but I didn't come to preach, I came to equip, to challenge, to stimulate. And I pray right now that you will come and begin to stir in people's hearts that deep hunger. For the passion of your spirit amongst us. Will you begin to stir?